Hello, friends. Welcome to Mavs Moneyball After Dark. This is Kirk Henderson, and today I am joined by what is now a longtime contributor and Matthew Phillips. How you doing, Matt? I'm very good. A little tired from playing basketball, but very good. Ready for the season to start. Ready for the season to just start by playing basketball, and that's what we're doing. So we're recording here on Tuesday the 4th, about 23 hours before the tip-off of the preseason where the Dallas Mavericks will face off against the Oklahoma City Thunder. And we already know a couple of things before the game starts. The first is that Davis Bertans and JaVale McGee will not be playing. Just Davis Bertans is having knee issues, which um, I kind of think may be a recurring theme of his season and maybe really the rest of his career because knee issues don't really go away. Uh, and then uh, JaVale McGee apparently has a sprained ankle. Um, both are veterans, neither necessarily, like they each have pretty straightforward roles. So it's, you know, it's not necessarily a loss for, for anything other than us wanting to know um, what's happening with the basketball. So what, uh, you know, we've not talked in a real long time. You actually did the brilliant thing uh, and took some time away from the basketball writing stuff. I, you didn't really have a choice. You had to work a ton. But you know, it's been a long time since we talked. So what what are your sort of thoughts and feelings as we head into the the, the preseason with where the Mavericks are? Uh, I would go with guarded optimism, like cautious optimism. Um, I, I think it's a little dangerous to take anything too serious from anything before the actual season starts. For sure. Especially from we've seen practices and. I mean, like we've seen things before. We've seen Hoodie Mello. We've seen Ben Simmons every year coming in. Is this is going to be the season he hits threes because he hits threes and open gym runs? Which the problem with that is, is the NBA players. I remember watching Samuel Dallenbear make like nine of eleven corner threes, and that was never part of his game. Just like standing around, like it is stunning. If you've never met an actual NBA player. It is stunning how good they are when they are not playing an NBA game. It's so wild. It's what do you remember the preseason when Josh uh, Josh Richardson hit like all of his three pointers for the Mavericks? Seventy three percent, seventy two point seven percent. Yes, and I was I was very high on the Josh Richardson is about to get a near max contract and everything is going to be great, and I was uh, not correct. Is no. how we will phrase that. Um, the, like I said, the deal with that is so. But what I am happy with, because this obviously segues into Josh Green, um, who has obviously looked very good in the limited film that we have gotten, which, like I said, I I do want to be cautious in the optimism, but the point of fandom is to enjoy playing. And we get to watch Luka Doncic play basketball, and obviously we get to watch the rest of the Mavs. And so with with Green, I think the biggest thing for him, and this is, I actually think preseason helps him, is he just needs reps. Yeah. Like, the the more reps that guy gets, the better, because... We joke about it that, you know, he didn't play summer league for the last two years when I personally feel like he should have. He didn't really play for Australia. Like, that's why he didn't play summer league last year. But he didn't really play for Australia in the in the uh, the Olympics. And then he's not like he just he hasn't gotten a lot of minutes. He's played about he played basically double the amount of minutes last year that he did the year before. I think he played 445 as a rookie and then a little over a thousand last year. If they can bump him up to, you know, 15, 1600 minutes this year, it's just, it's really, that's about 20 a game for every game. Like that's really good for him. Just the more he plays, the better he will be because he does have, he does have skills. He's athletic. He can hopefully shoot. And, and that's the other thing for him is not just that he plays, but that he gets up shots because I think I see a lot of people that are concerned about his percentage and very happy that he made, like he shot over 40% after the all-star game last year, I believe. 
but he just doesn't take enough. If you make no. one three every other game, honestly, if you shoot a hundred percent, if you don't miss any threes, but you only take one every other game, defenses aren't going to guard you. And so the more threes he gets up and the more he plays, I, it can't be anything but good for him and for the Mavs. Yeah. Yeah. That's actually the first thing that Josh uh, Bo wrote about in his um, what to watch for during the Mavericks 2022 preseason. It's all very green focused. And I, I am, the internet discourse happens a lot faster than like casual fans. That's probably for the best because it's like, he goes from looking really nice in an NBA TV practice to looking pretty good in the fan jam, which is basically like, it's the equivalent of um, like midnight madness kicking off like basketball season at a college. Like it's for fun. And I'm glad he looks confident. I'm glad he looks like rearing to go. I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic that he's going to be functional, but then I wrote, you know, this, this preview yesterday um, that went up and someone in the the comments basically mapped out the minutes and said like, I don't see where he's getting minutes, Uh, which, you know, it's a long season. You know, if he's the ninth man and he plays 60, 65 games for the Mavericks, I think that's a win. Like, I'm I'm looking forward to see, you know, I know we're just kind of talking preseason at the moment, but it's it's not, you want to sort of cast ahead and you want Josh Green to perform well in the circumstances that are made for Josh Green to perform well. And preseason, where he should get extended minutes compared to most of the starters, is, is going to be that place. I kind of see it. So I've heard you say this about summer league, but I kind of feel like this applies to to regular NBA preseason basketball too, where just because you look good doesn't mean that you've made it, but looking bad is a really bad sign. Yes. Like if you, if you can't play in those situations, it's a bad sign. And so that that's really what I want from him. I just want him to look good and I want him to look confident. Honestly, I, I don't want to say I don't care how many he makes, but just what I really don't want to see is him to come out, get up two quick threes, miss both yep. of them. And then just shut down from shooting and, you know, everything is because that's the thing is that's really going to be the first test is not how willing are you to shoot when you shoot when you shoot well. It's and I mean, he's not, he doesn't have to turn into Tim Hardaway Jr. or Kobe or anything where it's just hey, I'm always going to make the next one. But it it does need to be if he's open and the flow of the offense dictates that he takes it, that he takes it, even if he's, you know, 0-2, one of five, something like that. Like he needs to be willing to get him up. And on the minutes thing. Those things have a way of working themselves out because we think of like the whole season the same way we think of the playoffs. And there's a lot of times that you get minutes during the regular season where between people missing games and things like that, like that, that always in, like at, for, in the beginning of the season, you're like, man, this guy's not going to be able to get minutes. And then you look into your 30, 30, 40 games in the season and you're like, man, I really wish we had another body or two to get oh, some more God, minutes. Oh, God, 100%. Hundred percent. Where it's like you know you, this is a ridiculous comp, but I'm thinking about fantasy football all the time. Where like you start the season and if you start off well and you have a good year, you know, your team's doing well and you're excited, and then you get to like week five and one injury all of a sudden puts your team on like a crash course, and like that's where the Mavericks have ran into issues for two years now, where they just don't have the bodies and. You know, the, the Mavericks are, are you know, we, we're, thank God we no longer have to hear that they're a young team because it's now on math that they're basically like the sixth or eighth oldest team in the league. Uh, so Josh Green just doing anything is going to be a value. And I'm looking forward to seeing him try in preseason. Like we're going to wildly overreact. I mean, people are like already like pre-talking shit to me. 
which is just, it's like weird. Like I want Josh Green to succeed because if Josh Green plays well, then the Mavericks are playing well. And then we're talking about the Mavericks as an actual postseason contender this year again, which is nice. Um, the other, go ahead. No, I was going to say, yeah, I think people get a little bit of a misnomer when you say like negative things about Josh Green. It's not that you saying that you think someone is not great doesn't mean you don't want them to be great. They're not the same thing. Correct. Like, right. Right. It's, it's a, you know, I've made the comparison and maybe this isn't fair anymore, but I'm of the opinion that if the NBA has, the NBA has 450 players, give or take, you know, whether you consider two way guys or whatnot of those 450, 375 to 400 of them are the literal best players on the planet. Maybe, maybe 350. Josh Green kind of fits in that back 100 to 75 players where he may or may not be an NBA player. That's not an insult. He's still among the best players on the planet. It's a matter of he has to find a way to contribute to this team right now because the Mavericks, I think, will need him sooner than, you know, sooner than is, you know, we're probably comfortable with. And if he figures out a little bit of anything, then all of a sudden, I think all of us are a lot more bullish. You know, we're always bullish because of Luka Doncic, but it's, it's these little margins where the Mavericks, you know, in years past, they they you know, they have a bunch of guys that they can count on. Now they just they need some of these um, they need some of these these picks and, and and gambles to play out. So the next thing that Josh wrote about, and I, I uh, Josh Bow wrote about that I think is is interesting is what does Jaden Hardy look like with NBA level spacing? Jaden Hardy played one good summer league game and then mainly looked like a guy surrounded by player. Like he was not very good. And then the rest of the Mavericks summer league team was not very good. And it was not great. Um, Hardy struggled in the G league, but played well towards the end. He's got, I really like his frame. I really like his form. And, you know, something about the, you said about Josh green earlier matters. I really like his confidence. Uh, confidence is so important as a professional athlete. And I'm really looking forward to seeing even, you know, he probably will play in preseason and then he'll probably spend a lot of his season in the G league. There's just not the minutes for him, but I, I yeah. still want to see him play, you know? <laughs> oh yeah. That's where I was going to go with this. I was going to say, I'm normally the wildly optimistic one, especially about young players and everything. And I was going to say like, I really think Jaden Hardy is going to help the Mavs in 2024. Sure. Like I, I, it's going to be fun to see him in the in in the preseason. It'll be fun. I'm sure he'll get a few games during the regular season when something happens and you know Tim Hardaway tweaks an ankle and Spencer Dinwiddie's a little sore or they're resting him for his knee or you know just something will happen. There's always time where you yep. need minutes and and Hardy will help. And like I could absolutely see on a game to game basis, like for a two to three game basis, he might get 30 minutes a game at random times and he might look good. Um, I just think for this year, for him, it's a learning experience. And this is where I kind of, we don't, and we, the Mavs, uh, which I should not say because I'm absolutely not part of the Mavs, but the Mavs absolutely do not have a system like the Rockets had a few years ago where they were from the ground up. They had their G League team trying to take the most, like they're trying to run the exact same system. And we, the Mavs don't quite have that, and I wish they did. But it will be good to see him in some structure with NBA coaching um, sure. Sham God should help him quite a bit. And his handle it, needs a lot of help. Yeah, and it's the he looked real bad in the in the summer league. Like he had the one goodish game, but he just looked like a very, very high usage player that put up numbers because of the high usage. Yep. But I am I am like it, it feels weird for me to do this, but I 
if if Jaden Hardy plays an important role for the Mavericks, I think a lot of people are like, oh yeah, that'll be a positive. If Jaden Hardy matters to the Mavericks this season on more than like a three to five game basis, something has gone horribly, horribly wrong. Or, and, uh, but it well, but it will or actually. he's shown something. It's just he's he would have to take quite a leap. That's going to be hard. Yeah, that's that's true. That and I mean, I I can absolutely just be blatantly wrong about something. That is, it's just I I don't think he's there this season. But I think sure. that's okay. What I am oh, yeah. happy with is they're trying to develop someone and it's okay to look two years down the road with a second round pick. So it's, it's completely fine. If he ends up being good in two years, that that's a huge win for the Mavericks Mm -hmm. and it'll be Mm -hmm. good for him to start down that road now. Yeah. I'm, I'm, you know, and those are, that's basically kind of puts a bow on the main things I'm interested in. You know, we're probably not going to see any sort of interesting lineup data. Luca, what's it? Go ahead. The biggest thing that I that I am curious to see, and I mean we've seen a little bit of it because we've seen, is we don't have Puffy Luca. I mm. mean he's certainly he's not Desmond Bain, which I mean Desmond Bain looks like he might be auditioning to play Bain in a movie. He's so freaking big, good yeah. lord. But it's you know Luca doesn't look, but Luca looks in like he looks mid season has played his way mostly in the show. I think he'll lose a little more weight during the season just because of what a, a they always do. Carries. It's hard to maintain. Yeah, it's hard to maintain weight when you're burning that many calories every but two he, days. I mean, like he looks like I I don't know if you agree, like but I have not seen him. He doesn't look like puffy Luca to me. Like he no. doesn't look like he's been out, you know, just enjoying life. I mean, he's always gonna be a bigger guy, and that that helps him honestly. Like his strength, I personally think he's at worst the third best post player in the NBA. Like if I was going to, if you're going to run an offense through the post, it's Jokic, Embiid, and Luca. I mean, maybe Demonis Sabonis, but like he's one of the elite post players in the NBA, and I I think his weight helps with that, like just being solid. But it sure. is it's that it's physical stuff. Like it's seeing people and seeing if they look good physically. Like I don't really care if you know Christian Wood makes shot in the preseason, but I do care that he looks good. And then the last thing with that is the vibes. Because they were so big on vibes last year and everything, and they've done some stuff this offseason that has the potential to not go well vibes wise, because you know Wood coming off the bench in a contract year and stuff like that, and struggling to reintegrate Tim Hardaway. So I'm happy to see, and I'm hoping to see that everything that they still love playing with each other and all of that. The reintegration of Tim Hardaway is an interesting, under discussed thing. Um, he was really bad last year. It it kind of gets pushed under the rug, and everybody's talking about. You know, even even Nico Harrison has said it's like, you know, a free agent signing, which let's be clear, it's not like a free agent signing. A free agent signing would be a an actual free agent signing. Um, but Tim was given, I think one of the things that, that really benefited Tim Hardaway under Carlisle was rigid structure. You are to do these things. You are to catch, shoot, you are to drive, and or you are to move the ball. There's not a lot of playmaking or over dribbling, things of that nature. You are to do the things which you excel at. And Tim rarely found a rhythm. I think he hit the most threes all year in a game in like one of the first five games of the season. He had a really interesting game against Memphis where he forced his way to the line for like 14 free throws at one point. But otherwise, the rest of the season was a disaster. I mean, he when when he hurt himself, it coincided with the rise of Reggie Bullock. We don't talk about that enough um i think those things are related because both of those guys require six plus shots from distance a game in order to maintain some sense of rhythm from game to game i hope those shots are there 
the Mavericks need to find a way for both of those guys to get their shots because they're both very good offensive players. So I'm a, that's an interesting sort of preseason wrinkle because I mean Tim Tim Hardaway hasn't played you know NBA basketball and going on nine months. So this is this is that that's one thing. Well, that I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, that and how he fits back into the defense. Like the biggest thing with him is that what what catapulted the Mavs when they went off, like when they went on their ridiculous run where they won a bunch of games and then they went in the playoffs and did all that yep. is it. Luca was the only person that was in the wrong spot on defense. Like Davis Bertans in his five <laughs> minutes was a terrible defender. Like he's just physically a terrible defender. Um, although NBA.com has him as a semi elite isolation defender with the Mavericks last year, which is That's pretty amazing. Crazy. Uh, it's only on, it's, it's their, their, uh, possession metrics are wrong. I think it's on like 20 possessions, but it's hilarious. And then, you know, Jalen Brunson's undersized and everything, but all of them were in, like everyone else rotated to the right spot. Yeah. The only person that had the freedom to not rotate to the right spot was Luca. And I don't necessarily mean that as a knock on the guy. I've long been a defender. No, they let, they let him play some, uh, what do you want to call it? Some, some kind free of safety. free safety and yeah. basically freelance a bit. Yeah, they, they let him do that. And I mean, and that's the privilege you get by for running so much of the offense and being so much of all of sure. that. He's also but, just like instinctually pretty good about where things are going. Yeah, he understands it. basketball yeah. geometry really well. Yeah. Um, and then, but Tim, it's it's weird with Tim's defense because he's not terrible in the sense of like when he's on ball. I mean, he gets beat, but everybody in the media gets beat. Like he's, he's big-ish for a guard. He's super athletic. It's The problem is he rotates so so poorly off the ball like he he just doesn't really he he just doesn't really understand where to go and and right. concepts and everything it's and like so there's I'm a gif of him literally spinning around from yeah carl's last year like he just didn't he's just not great at defense now he's he's got the athleticism to do it and so if the mavericks are able to sort of drill principles and defend like one of the reasons the Mavericks defense works so well is like everybody committed to the scheme and selling out in appropriate ways. It's eventually what got them beat by the Warriors, but you know that you worry about that once you get there. Um, but but I I, I think they can show Hardaway. I I just I don't know yeah. why. I, I this is a big this is a big he, year for Tim. Yeah, and it is. And then also you talked about the rigid structure that he missed. I do think kids coaching hurt him the most. And I don't mean that as a shot at kids. Kid was an no. extremely successful coach last year. It's just that he's Tim can do a lot of different things. The problem is he did not do all of those things super well at an yeah. NBA level. Like if he's out there in a pickup game with somebody, he is by far the best ball handler. He's by far the best shooter. He is by far everything. He's the best yeah. everything. But at an NBA level, you really don't want him, you know, isolating, crossing over, running pick and rolls, doing all that stuff with you know, against elite NBA wing defenders. Right. That's just not a thing that you want going on for maybe more than three or four possessions. Now, yeah. I do think that he's going to have to pick up some creation just because the Mavs are so short on it, which that's another thing. Then that's probably the last thing for me that I'm interested to see is do, where do they try to get some shot creation from in the lesser minutes? I mm-hmm. do think Jaden Hardy will get some, obviously, in the preseason. But I'm I'm curious to see because they keep talking about Frank and, and Josh Green getting and I, I think Green can do some interesting things. Uh, ben, and I don't want to circle back too much, but uh, Ben in the Slack made a very good point about it with Green that I think he interjects some chaos with the quote, the best swordsman in the world doesn't fear the second best swordsman in the world, but he, he fears the random guy just swinging away. And I think that's <laughs> where, where I think that's where Green can really help with the, uh, is he can just interject some chaos because the Mavs are very formulaic at times sure, with Luka. Sure. 
is, you know, it's we're going to walk the ball up. We're going to start the offense at 16 seconds. We're going to run a high screen and roll. Then Luke is going to dribble for, you know, 10 seconds. And then we're going to find from there. And then we're going to shoot with two seconds left. That's, right. um, that's, a, that's an extremely effective offense. Luca is at worst the third or fourth best offensive engine in the NBA at the absolute worst. I personally think he's the best. But for 82 games, that can get a little old, not just for the fans. Like, for me, it's not. I could watch Luca run offense for literally the rest of my life and be completely happy with it. But for players, that can get a little old if you do it all the time. Like, if you remember, I don't like the Harden comparisons for Luca. I understand them to an extent, but I don't like them. I, they're not. Yeah, they're. But. Yeah. There is something to the effect of, you know, role players, you know, getting a playoff run, just let your star cook. And then the role players, you know, just stand in the corner and shoot and defend. But, you know, over year, over year, over year, that can be real wearing. And so I am interested to see where they and I'm and I'm interested to see if they run more, because that was something from the fan jam is uh, Green had a couple of dunks in transition and stuff like that. If he's playing, I'm hoping they let him run. Sure. Yeah. So. Well, there's. You know, we're going to overanalyze all this stuff. I can't wait. Really looking forward to it. Um, that's probably it for the preseason stuff until we actually see basketball. There's a couple more things that I think were at least interesting around. You know, we, we've been pumping out stuff at Mavs Moneyball, basically four to five posts a day going on like a week and a half now. And there's pretty good reason that to expect that that's just going to continue with the staff. We got a lot, a lot of people pitching stuff. Um, the NBA GM survey uh, came out today. And there was, did, did you happen to catch this, Matt? Have you seen this one yet? Uh, I've seen a little bit of it. I know they said. You, they you need to go through the results. The results are a riot because number one, I didn't realize this survey was that long. I do not remember it. Okay. And it's just all sorts of stuff in it. I mean, it took me like 10 to 12 minutes to sort of scan through and mark everything down that was interesting to me, you know, and I did a, a quick aggregation post for it and, you know, you can check it out. I'll link it in the show notes if you're interested. Um, there's this weird sort of disconnect, I think, between what NBA GMs think and what they uh, think of the Mavericks versus what they think of Luka, where, the you know, the Mavericks aren't really picked. Like, I think GMs more or less think the Mavericks are going to make the playoffs, but they're basically going to be in the back half of the conference. But then Luka was kind of overwhelmingly picked as, as the MVP. And I'm just of the opinion, like 48% of responders, which is essentially 14 you know, I don't know how many people because it's called the GM survey, but you know, there's more. There's obviously, I think they have multiple like like front office personnel vote for each team, um, and so it's like because some of the numbers don't like map out right. Like if you take away four, fourteen GMs, is not forty eight percent of responders having you know, and forty eight percent of responders had Luca as the MVP pick. Giannis Antetokounmpo was second, and Bede was third with like fourteen percent. It's a pretty big like majority, which I found interesting, and I'm just kind of of the opinion. That I think you in in you and I've talked about this. You tie a Luka Doncic MVP run with the Mavericks being like a top three team in the West. There is no way it happens otherwise. I don't think like as we move away from these MVP votes at the time, like people really back into the the narrative arguments and they say like I just don't think we're going to get two years in a row of a you know bottom half of a, a conference team getting an MVP it it kind of goes against what the traditional spirit of the award is and i think voters and to an extent fans are kind of like really pushing for that what do you think i i definitely think that i actually i don't think i'm going to end up writing it now but I, because sam wrote something that was similar um in the vegas oh, sorry post. about that <laughs> no 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 it's completely cool um i i'm good with it um the 
I, my point is with that has always been like if you're going to wager on it, Luca is four and a half to one to win MVP. Just bet the Mavs over. Luca is not winning the MVP if the Mavs don't if the Mavs don't hit their over. Yep. And at four and a half to one, it's just not worth it to to risk because because the Mavs can absolutely hit their over and Luca not win MVP. They can't yeah. not hit their over and Luca win MVP. Like I, I feel like Russ kind of kind of jipped the like he kind of took the last. I know Jokic won last year without a great team record, but he also had one of the best yeah, analytical seasons. In, like it's going to be a historically discussed season. And I think, people, what, yeah, yeah. And I think one of the things that we're going to have next year that Luca's going to have to contend with too is the Giannis fatigue is going to be gone. Like Giannis hasn't won for two years. I think we're going to start having one of the, Hey, you know, like there's the comments about why didn't LeBron win, you know, 10 MVPs or why didn't Jordan win 10 MVPs. I do think you'll have the, the Giannis fans start with the, Hey, you know, Giannis has been the best player for this. And he only has the, the two MVPs and, you know, he's, he's the best defender in the league, which he is. And he's, you know, in the Bucks, I think the Bucks right. are going to be very they're, good. They're going to be unbelievable again. Like, there's just and, like Giannis is is still in his, in his peak prime. He's going to and be he incredible. plays so hard, and he's going to average something around thirty and thirteen and six. And so, like with that and the elite defense and what I expect to be a very good Bucks record, I just really don't see a season like even say say go crazy with the stats. Say Luca averages thirty one, eleven and ten which is obviously a banana statistical season. I think you would still, if the Mavs go like, you know, 42 and 40, you would still have a really big pushback from Luka for MVP with, you know, with Giannis having a Giannis season and the defensive difference between the two and the record. What I predict would be a record difference between the two at that time. So I just, I don't see any way at all that the Mavs don't hit their over and Luka wins MVP. So if you're going to wager on that, I would suggest wagering on the, Mavs over, sure, yeah. sure. Well, the Mavs over right now is kind of a juicy one, and like people get really pissy when you mention this sort of thing because well, they won fifty two games last year. Well, yeah, they also won they they won they went thirty five and twelve um, down the stretch, and that's insane. <laughs> the The deal with the Mavs is like I think they're going to be if everything goes right, the Mavs are going to be really good again. Like they have the bones of the structure to be really good. The only thing that scares me about the Mavs is Luca has quietly become a little injury prone in the sense that he misses like 12 to 15 games the last couple of years. And so if, if we have that, like he, because of how much usage he has and how much he goes to the basket, there's always a chance he lands on someone and rolls an ankle. If we have Luca miss two weeks and, Spencer Dinwiddie's knee is balky at that time. Sure. It's real possible the Mavs go like 0-6 and, and for a stretch that they're out. And then after that, it gets real hard. So, I mean, it's it's good for them. Like, I expect good things from them. I do legitimately think they're going to be good. I didn't for a little bit, but I've talked myself into it. But the problem is I don't think they have a backup plan if things go wrong. That is oh, really no. my concern. There's none. Yeah, there's there's precisely no backup plan. That's That's correct. That is correct. Well, there's only one more thing. There's actually a lot in this, but I, I recommend you go check it out. My favorite thing was that clearly other teams had, or like other GMs did not know where to put Luca in that he makes it for, he makes it in the top five for best point guard, best shooting guard, and best small forward. 
Like he's in the t- and it's just it's really funny to read that you know when when you're looking at how good you know players, uh, you know other teams think Luke is because it's like he's he's all three of those positions like that's what makes it great. It's just I don't know. It, th- this survey was fun. I'm recommending it. Um, it's up there on our site. Also, have a lot of other posts. I discussed a few of them yesterday on you know uh, Moneyball or I'm sorry this morning on Moneyball Minute. Um, and you know we're gonna have a bunch of game content. I don't know. I think I'm doing the recap because nobody like it's like I hired like seven new people and nobody new signed up for any game coverage, which just tickles me to, to pieces. Um, that's just gonna be the way it is till the regular season. But we'll see. Um, I don't know. You got anything else before we get on out of Dodge? Uh, just to go back to just finish it with man, we, we get to watch Luka Doncic and the Mavs play basketball, and I cannot wait. Yep, yep. I'm looking forward to it. It's gonna be fun. All right, guys, Kirk Henderson and Matt Phillips, thank you so much for listening. Please go leave us a review on your podcast platform. That sort of thing very much helps me and helps our site. And also visit mavsmoneyball.com. We appreciate you tuning in, and we will talk to you tomorrow.